So Carol and I, we love watching mysteries. We've watched them, uh, American channels, but our favorite is BritBox because they have a lot of these British mysteries. Now there's a difference between the British mysteries and the American ones. The American TV shows or series, basically you know within the first five minutes who the, who the bad guy is, who the murderer is, right? When you're watching the British ones, though, you have to really pay attention because they're hard. And I feel like the American ones are kind of insulting now. They just seem too easy. It's like I always, I always go with Carol, oh, yeah, he did it or she did it. And it's like, sure enough, they did, you know. But with the British ones, like, I think he might have done it, but they might have done it. They might have done it. But we love those mysteries, don't we? And mysteries are, we think of the idea of mysteries as things that we have to solve, we have to figure out for ourselves. Paul's going to talk about a mystery, and it's the mystery of the church. But it's not a mystery that we figure out, that we kind of say, okay, what is it about the church that we need? No, no, no. This mystery, God is going to reveal to us. So that's what we want to talk about this weekend. And we are in Ephesians chapter 3. And if you want to, I'd love you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Let me read it to you right now. Paul writes these words. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by the revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to this eternal purpose, his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, there's a couple of points we want to draw from this passage. And I want to talk for just a minute about this idea that we're, one of the things we struggle with in life is finding hope and we get bogged down in life and we struggle and the one thing that we can do and that we must do is we have to change our perspective and so the first thing that we see here and it's very subtle in the passage is Paul basically changes you see he you don't you almost miss it if you're not reading carefully you miss it 
that Paul has a different perspective than he should. And that's what we all need today. We all need a different perspective. We can't change our circumstances, but we can change our perspective. So the first thing I want to draw from this passage is that having eternal perspective is in life is essential. Having eternal perspective in life is essential. Notice what Paul says. You, you may have missed it. The first thing he says, uh, Paul a prisoner. <laughs> Did you did you miss that? It's like it's like Paul, a prisoner for Christ, and then he goes on and he starts talking about this mystery of the church. He was in a Roman prison. He was chained to probably a Roman guard. He was in a dark, dank prison. And for most of us, we would have said, Well, I guess my ministry is over, but Paul says, It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. Paul had a unique way of dealing with disappointment. He's, he had multiple trials and tribulations. And here's what we want to learn. We want to learn from Paul, how do I change? I can't change my circumstances. I can't change my trials, tribulations, and troubles. But I can change my attitude, my perspective. So how did, how did Paul do that? Because some people just get bitter and uh, many people wonder, well, if, there's, if God is good, why am I suffering? Why am I going through all this if God is so good? And some people become numb and bitter and critical and they become apathetic. But you know what? You can choose to either be that way or you can choose to rise above your circumstances. The question is, how did Paul do it? But first, let's just talk about it. Because um, if you're looking for a pain-free life this side of heaven, you're looking for, for a needle in a haystack. You'll never find it. No one is free from that. Um, Jesus reminded us that in this world you'll have tribulation. So what was, what was it about Paul in his tribulations. Notice what he says. This is interesting. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Do you see what Paul's saying there? Paul is saying, even though my circumstances are really, really difficult, he's going to talk about that in the second part of the verse, even though we're, we're just being pummeled, I'm rising above it. Do you need that today? I think we all need that today. But look at the second part of the verse. This, to me, this is hilarious. I think this is funny. He says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What I think is hilarious about this verse, verse 17, is he says, For our light and momentary troubles. Do you know what he's talking about here? Have you read through Paul a little bit? Paul lists his light and momentary troubles. Uh, let me list a few for you. This is from 2 Corinthians 11. You can just reference this later. 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 through 28. Here's a summary of his light and momentary troubles. He was whipped with 39 lashes five times. So five times he was strapped down and whipped 39 times. They would do 39 times. They wouldn't do 40. It, there was, you know, they would... 39 times. Five times in his life. So if Paul takes off his robe and you look at his back, it looks like hamburger. I mean, he has just got scars all over his body. He's beaten with rods three different times. 
He was pummeled with stones. He was shipwrecked. He got on a ship three times. He got on a ship. And it wasn't a carnival cruise. I mean, he got on a ship three times and it, he had a shipwreck. I mean, you're, if you are getting on a boat and you see Paul there, you get off that boat because you know the chances are that thing's going down. This is Paul, right? He says, in danger most of his journeys from robbers and thieves. I mean, there was no hotel. I mean, there, he's camping. Often he's sleepless, he's hungry, he's cold, he's thirsty, and he's anxious for the churches. His heart is going out to the churches that he's planting because they have issues. The church of Corinth has issues. Many of the churches that he's planted have issues, and that's why he's writing. But all of this to say he's in a Roman prison, and he says, in fact, he says, my light and momentary troubles. Now, how do you change your perspective? How do you move from being whipped, going through shipwrecks, being hungry, and going through all of that, and still have a positive view of life? You know, so if we're honest, our perspective is mostly f on our needs, aren't they? We, we think about ourselves. And boy, this year it's been really hard not to, hasn't it? We go around thinking about us and what are we going to do and are we going to be able to make it? And, you know, how does this all affect me? Most of us, probably, if we're honest, would say, I haven't thought a lot about other people. But as you look at Paul's light and momentary troubles, they came to him because he was thinking about other people. Because he was trying to take the gospel to the world. He could have gone and he could have lived a quiet life somewhere, but he chose not to. There, there is a way to change from this eternal focus to an external focus. And, and that's the key to how we, we move forward in this day that we find ourselves. You're never going to move forward if you constantly have this internal focus. You have to have an external and eternal focus. What changed Paul's perspective? And this is what Paul talks about, this mystery of the gospel. And this is where we change. We, we have to have this eternal perspective, but focusing on God's grace brings us this eternal perspective. When we, when we see the world as God sees it, when we see the plan of what God is doing, and when we see how God wants to use us in that plan, it, rise, it raises us above our circumstances. In fact, we're willing to go through difficult circumstances because of the good that will come from it. And Paul used the mystery a lot in our passage. He's used it over and over and over. Now, we, again, we tend to think of a mystery as it's something we have to solve for ourselves. It, it, it's, you know, we have to get the, you know, get the clues and figure the mystery out. That's not what Paul's talking about here. In the New Testament, the mystery is counterintuitive. In the New Testament, it's God is revealing something to us that we would never figure out for ourselves. If God didn't reveal it to us, we would never understand it. It's counterintuitive. It's a mystery. We never discover it on our own. Well, what is this mystery? 
Well, it's not the Ten Commandments. He doesn't say the Ten Commandments or the Golden Rule is a mystery. In fact, most world religions have at least some of the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule. So it's something like that. It's not something like that. That's not a mystery. What is the mystery? Paul is saying that the gospel is available to all people, no matter what race, no matter who they are. Now, there's two important parts of this gospel that we need to look at. The first one is this, and Paul talks about it, that everyone needs the gospel. Everyone needs the gospel. We all need the grace of God. We all fall short of God's standard. If we're honest about it, we're all sinners. We all need a Savior. That's why God sent His Son. Do you know why we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because something went terribly wrong. That we needed help. That we needed a rescue party to save us from our sin. And that's why Christmas happened. We like to glamorize it. We like to make it this this quiet night and peaceful night. But understand what's happening. God gets off, the Son of God gets off of His throne in heaven is born in a, in a manger, probably a stable somewhere, to a, to a world that is going to ultimately reject Him and hang Him up on a cross. That's what we're talking about. The Gospel tells us the Son of God came to earth to triumph over evil, suffering, and death. He came to save us, to give us a new eternal hope. Because if our hope doesn't go beyond the grave, then we have really nothing to work with. The circumstances of our life are going to dominate us. See, He overcame your sin, your guilt, by taking it on Himself. You and I are sinners, Paul said of Himself. Notice how Paul described Him in the text. He says, he talks about Himself and he says, although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. Paul's saying, I don't understand why God would give me this grace, why God would forgive me. But He did. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's crazy. This is totally counterintuitive. We would never come up with that. We would never come up with this crazy story that God had to become a man and that Jesus would die on a cross for our sins. We would never do that. We would never think of ourselves that bad. It's too incredible. It's too amazing. The idea that we are saved by grace, by His grace, and not by our own efforts, that's a mystery. Here's the, here's the lesson we need to take from this. And, that no one's too good for the gospel. We all need it. You may know friends and neighbors, and if you were to ask them, if you were to die today, would you go to be with God in heaven? They'd say, yeah, I think so. I hope so. And if you were to ask them why, if God was at the gate of heaven and say, why should I let you in? What would you say? Most people, most people, if they believe in God, would say, well, I live a good life. I go to church. I believe in God. You know, I'm, I think I'm not the worst person in the world, but I think I'm in the top half. What are they saying? I don't need Jesus. I'm good enough. No one is good enough. No one is too good for the gospel. Every person ever born except Jesus needs the gospel. Here's, here's the second thing. No one is excluded. And this is Paul's point. The mystery is that the people who were excluded, a whole group of people, by the way, that's most of the people probably watching and listening, Gentiles, 
They're now included. Paul's saying, uh, it's remarkable in his day, he's saying that the Gentiles are also partakers of God's grace. Uh, they're in. Gentiles are in. Now, this was a mystery because even in the book of Acts, you read the book of Acts and the church is trying to figure this out. Oh, Gentiles are in? Really? They're part of the church? I didn't know that. It's, you know, again, it's counterintuitive. And, and what does Paul say? He says in the text we read, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now, for to, to us today, that's not a big deal. We just assume it. It's always been that way for us. The church has always been open, and we've not felt uh, excluded. But in, in the New Testament, this is incredible news. This is counterintuitive. This, this is a mystery that was, that was hidden, but now God has revealed it. Those who were once outsiders are now insiders. Those who were excluded are now included. The grace of God is bigger and wider than we ever dreamed. That's what Paul's saying. No one ever saw this coming. Anyone can partake of the gospel. The gospel brings unlikely groups together. The church was not just to be a Jewish community. It would be a global community. No one is excluded due to race or nationality. You want to know something? The church was designed to become the hotbed for racial reconciliation. Because it brought Gentiles and Jews together in one body. Well, here's the lesson. No one is too far gone for the gospel. No one is excluded. And I don't know where you're at today. You may say, well, if, if, if Pastor Matt, if, if you knew what I did, if you knew how I've lived my life, if I've lived my whole life and I've been far from God, and I just want to tell you, read the story in Luke 15 about the prodigal son. You can never walk far enough away for God to get you. He will always find you. No one is too far gone. Well, let's bring these truths together. How do we draw what Paul is saying and get this eternal perspective? How do we draw this gospel together and, and give us this eternal perspective that will help us today? Well, let's see, so Paul lived a life dedicated to helping as many people as possible experience the grace of, of God. That's what he wanted. He wanted them to come to know Jesus, right? And so that's how he lived his life. That was what, what his life was dedicated to. He was willing to serve, sacrifice, and suffer for the gospel because he had an eternal perspective. He was playing the long game. He wanted as many people as possible through his influence, through his teaching, through his writings to come to know Jesus. And by the way, we are studying his writings today. And some of you may come to Christ today. And some of you will be included into the church today because of what Paul was dedicated to. Because Paul had an eternal perspective. He didn't just want to help people have a good life here and now. He wanted to have them have a life forever. God desires us to be his church, to be that glorious demonstration of the gospel. We are tasked to demonstrate his glorious gospel to a dark and broken world. We have a world today that so needs the gospel, so needs this eternal hope, because hope has dried up this last year. The only hope that we look forward to is a vaccine right now. But even with a vaccine, our life goes back to living 
But there is a point where everyone comes to a place where they say, I've got to have a way to get above my circumstances. Paul had terrible circumstances, but he had an eternal hope. And he had a mission. And he was externally focused. So he could look at his, all that was going on around him, his circumstances, and he could say, they're, yeah, they're light momentary. They're momentary. They're not forever. I'm playing a long game. I've got a job to do. I've got a mission. There are people out there that need to know Jesus. And I will suffer. I will be whipped. I will be beaten. I don't want to talk about that. That's not really the focus. The focus isn't on me. The focus is on him, Jesus Christ. The glorious gospel, the mystery. His church, his new community, that's you and me. We're to demonstrate healed relationships, transform lives, sacrificing and serving the poor and disenfranchised. That's why we do these things with the community, with the socks and the meals and different things that we try to do. Partnering with schools and things along those lines. We're to be salt and light. God intends His new community to be the church to bring heaven's gospel to earth. That's what the church is to do. And here's my concern. I feel as though we as the church this year, and I'm not just talking about hope, I'm talking about the church, has become inward focused. We're worried about ourselves. And we've forgotten there's a lot of hurting people. We have an incredible opportunity to reach them because they're hurting right now. We're to be salt and light. God intends His new community, the church, to bring heaven's gospel to earth. And by the way, this was God's plan for the nation of Israel. So in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, remember Moses? He was the guy that got the Ten Commandments. So he's coming to the end of his life. And in the book of Deuteronomy, is basically five sermons where, Deuter uh, where uh, Moses brings the leaders and the people of Israel before him, and he basically warns them. Now, they've been wandering in the wilderness, They've been wandering in the wilderness. They could have gone into the promised land within a few weeks, but they ended they spent 70 years in the wilderness. And Moses says, don't be like your parents. Learn from their mistake. You're going to be going into a land that doesn't know your God. And your job is to help them to know your God. And let me, let me read these verses. This, this is from Deuteronomy chapter uh, 4, verses 5 through 8. Moses says this to the people. Now again, understand what's happening. Moses is not able to go into the land with the people. And so he's telling them, he's saying, this is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to, this is God's plan for you as you go into this, this promised land. This is how you're supposed to go there. Notice what he says. He says, see, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to take possession of. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all the decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us Whenever we pray to Him. In other words, you see what Moses is saying is live your life in the land so that people 
see your faith, your, the outworking of your faith in your deeds and in how you treat one another. So they will glorify not the false gods that they have in the land, but the one true God. You are to be that. And do you know what? That's what God has called the church to do today. You're in the world. But we're in the world to reflect the gospel. We're to reflect Jesus Christ. And so that's why the scripture says, let your lights shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? And in the same way that the nation of Israel was to be a witness, a light to God, their Father, in the same way the church is to be a light in our dark world to the light of the Gospel and point people to our Father in Heaven and our Savior Jesus Christ. God is calling His church to demonstrate the power of the Gospel in our community. How are we doing? Let me just ask a few questions as we close our time. Have you received this Gospel? Uh, you're, you're never too far gone, but you're also never too good. You need the gospel. We all need the gospel. But the good news is you, the gospel is available to anyone. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what church you were raised in. It's not about the church membership. It's not about your religious background. It's about where are you with Jesus? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you done that? Have you received this gospel? Have you understood Christmas? Do you understand why Jesus came? John says, Behold the Lamb of God who, who takes away the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins. Have you ever come to a place to realize you can't save yourself and you need a Savior? That's what Christmas is about. God became man. He came to live the life we should have lived, to die the death we should have died. Have you received His Gospel? Secondly, are you a necessary part of this church? You know, we heard all about, today about essential workers. And, and <clears throat> did you know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are an essential worker? Paul says we are all members of the same body. We are, one is an eye, one is a hand, one is an arm, one is a leg. We all play a role. And the body isn't complete unless we're all pulling together and working together as one. Do you know what your role is within the body? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Have you ever, have you ever looked? Again, it, we're, we're changing our perspective so, to what about me to what about them? We're changing our perspective to this is terrible right now, my circumstances to hope. Are you playing your role within the church? And then number three, what's your perspective? You know, the game isn't over yet. <laughs> we're in the fourth quarter. And you know what? Sometimes you look at the score and you go, I think we're behind. You know, it, you know 2020, you, you look at it, you go, man, I think we're really behind. But you know what? The book of Revelation says that even though we face trouble and temptations and tribulations, we win in the end. We have a good fourth quarter. 
We have an incredible fourth quarter. But we still need to keep going, serving and loving. That's what Paul did even while he was a prisoner. He said, the game isn't over yet. I still have a pulse. I still have a breath. I still have a hand that can write. And we're reading his letter right now from a prison. Paul isn't an exception to the rule. He is the rule. We are all parts of the same body. And not one part is more important than the other. And we all suffer if we're not all working together. Last question. If you stand before God today and you have to give an account, how would you do? How would you do? Paul says there's a mystery that we would never figure out on our own. That God is graciously going to send his son Jesus to save sinners like you and like me. We would never guess that. Not only that, there's going to be no limitations to who this, is, this good news, this gospel, this grace is going to. It's going to all nations. No one is excluded. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. The gospel is for everyone. And Paul basically says, I have had difficult circumstances. He calls them light and momentary. But he says, how I rise above my circumstances is I get my eyes off myself. And I begin to focus on the glorious gospel and what God is doing, not just now, but what he's doing now that will last forever. And I want to be part of that. And Paul was able to say, suffering is minor. It's insignificant because there are going to be many, 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 many people in heaven because of the work that I'm doing right now. That's how you have an eternal perspective. It is external. It is eternal. But it comes when we understand that there's, there's a game going on here and it isn't over yet. But if you were to stand before God today, would you be ready? Do you know Jesus? Are you actively involved doing, you playing your role within the church? And are you ready to stand before Jesus today? I hope so. I want to lead you in prayer as we close our time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for the encouragement of your word. Thank you for revealing the mystery of the gospel to us because we would have never figured it out. It's counterintuitive. It's not something we would ever discover on our own. And thank you that the gospel means everyone's included. The invitation goes out to all tribes, all nations, all people. No one is excluded, but it is necessary for everyone. No one gets away without needing a Savior. Father, help us to take the internal focus that we've had we've had and we do tend to have we kind of default to that and help us to turn it to an external perspective to an eternal perspective help us to see what you're doing not just in us but through us in the lives of the others around us help us to learn from Paul who was a prisoner and struggled from time to time with light and momentary troubles in other words, help us to have the right perspective, Father.
that you're still working and you want to use us to turn people's hearts to Christ, to open their eyes to the gospel, to help them not just live a good life now, but live a good life forever. Help us, use us, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.